Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This episode deals with some heavy topics, including childhood sexual abuse. If you feel like you need support, we've included some great resources in our episode notes. Welcome to Afterwork Drinks, the weekly podcast brought to you by two journalists and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill, who debrief on the week that was over a bottle of red. Or today, white wine. Or today, a bottle of Pinot Grigio. It's our <laughs> new sort of drop of choice. We've really transitioned. We have, and it's especially because it is piping hot. And it's, I don't know if it's that hot. Izzy's got like a body temperature dysmorphia. I do. Yeah. I'm hot all the time. It's being from New Zealand. I really can't Constantly handle this hot. Yeah. Sydney heat. Um, but it's a Sunday afternoon. We're recording a few days early today because if anyone in the world didn't know, I'm <laughs> off to Africa. Oh my god. <laughs> Any excuse to mention it. I know. So we're recording a few days early um, at the leisurely hour of 4.30 on a Sunday. This is a nice way to do it. I wonder if we need to permanently... Do it on a Sunday. I know. We're two wines deep and it's (laughs) 4.30, but that's fine. Yeah, it's not exactly after work. No. It's definitely like midday Sunday. Anyway, how's it going? Good. We're both thoroughly... Freaked after watching the Michael Jackson yes, documentary. Yes, we're very in the Michael Jackson leaving Nether- Neverland, leaving the Netherlands. That's what Nether- I wrote at work last week. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote leaving Netherland. Oh God, leaving Neverland. It's a very harrowing watch. Mm. So we're a bit shaken up. But I was. Let's... I watched the first half yesterday and then went out to dinner. And I we went to Gigi's in Newtown, which is that um, delicious pizza vegan place where you have to line up for a billion years to get mm. in. And everyone was like, "Are you okay?" And I was just very shaken. <laughs> 
Yes. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> it's too much. We'll get to that in we'll a bit. We'll get to that shortly, yeah. How's your week? It's good. I was in Melbourne for work for a couple of days, which was very pleasant, and it gave me quite a bit of time to do some reading slash listening slash watching of mm. things. How was Vamp? Vamp was great. I hadn't been before, so it was... Well, yeah. I would know because yeah. I went there for about five minutes. I know. I was there for two whole days and Izzy was in and out within about... An hour? 40 minutes. It was so nuts. <laughs> I know Melbourne's not that far away, but it feels insane to go to Melbourne for a couple of hours somehow. To me. I know, but all these businessmen seem to do it all the time because always... Every time I do a day trip to Melbourne, they've got their little suitcases as if they're just There's on a day trip. There's something about it being the, the most popular flight path in mm. the southern hemisphere it or made me weird, exhausted yeah. i was yeah. so outrageously exhausted the next day at work everyone my yeah. deputy editor emailed me and she was like get some sleep hon are you okay <laughs> as if you've been to antarctica I and know. Back. yeah i was i was asleep on the first flight and it was eleven thirty in the morning mm, i fell asleep on the way yeah there. that was no <laughs> so it, it was ridiculous and my colleague just i looked at her and i said did i just fall asleep <laughs> She confirmed that I had been fully yes. out. Um, I read on the flight there and back, I knocked out Calypso by David Sedaris, which is that book of short essays by him. Mm. He's great. I read his last book, which is called Let's Talk About, Let's Explore Owls with Diabetes or something. He's what? like, he's an essayist and his work is really funny, but very literary, sometimes serious. The serious stuff has kind of more of a punch because he's so funny most of the time so he talks about um he's just bought a beach house in the area where he grew up and his family sort of are going back there and it, it tells all these different stories from that but his sister tiffany committed suicide um she's the youngest sister but she was 50 so they're all in their late mm. 50s and early 60s um and he talks really honestly about how he'd basically just written her off before the time she died because she was quite difficult and was taking drugs and she'd fallen out by each different member of the family at different times and he seems like such a lovely man so then when he talks about how he treated her before she died it's really jarring and it's very sort of honest and I don't know I loved it and it's really funny I laughed out loud so many times reading it which I don't really tend to do I never really read short stories but I am reading them as well right now. Yes. I'm reading um, Difficult Woman by Roxane Gay. Oh. Have you read it? I haven't. I just, I, I read Bad Feminist. Mm. And I didn't like it. And then I. Is picked, that a selection of short stories as well? It's Yeah, essays. Yeah. So it'll yeah. be one on rap music, one on mm-hmm. diet culture, one on. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm the same where I didn't used to warm to that stuff. And I'm weirdly having a. These are just short stories. Uh, like uh, fiction. Yeah. Because mm. when it started, I thought it was. More of a when before I opened it, I thought it was a book about feminism. I didn't think yes. it was fiction. What's her fiction like? Um, I've only read her doing nonfiction. It's good. I don't know. I was like, she's not from Nevada. <laughs> then I realized that it was about. <laughs> Her name a- isn't Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, it's good. I'm, I'm not too far through, but yeah. I've packed so many books. For my holiday. Yes. It's outrageous. Yes. That's my entire what I did suitcase in London is full. I, and it wasn't a holiday, but I had mm. seven. I've something. got all of these books that are that have been that are so many people I love have said were the best books they read this year. So I've got Ordinary People yes. by somebody, Diana somebody. I've ah. got um The Pisces. Have you heard of that one? 
Yes, the fish. Fish. <laughs> I love the cover of that. Yeah, I feel like that drew me in. And I've got one called Circe, which I was given a while, mm. which I was sent a while ago to work, and I didn't read it. And then I saw that Dolly Alderton. You know how she judged those? Um, she judged yes. some sort of fiction prize. <laughs> God, I'm so uneducated. <laughs> got the details. Um, and I screenshotted her selection, and yes. that book was in there, and nice. it was on my, on my bookshelf. So I'm taking that. I'm taking Difficult Woman. Nice. Noise, and I'm gonna read Sally Rooney's first book. Yay! Oh, so that was her second book. The one mm. that we, oh, Conversations with Friends is the first, and also Eggshell Skull, which heaps of our listeners yes. have recommended. Really? Mm. Yes. It's on my bookshelf, but my flatmate, my <laughs> I keep saying flatmate, which is such a New Zealand thing to say. I don't live in a flat. Your room housemate. housemate. Yeah, that's what you guys say here. Housemate. Yeah. Um. My housemate bought it, but she hasn't read it yet, and I just really want to sneak in there and read it first, but I think that's kind of not done. This is a good way to sort of communicate it to her. If <laughs> she knows. Yeah. She knows, but it's very unpolite to go and yes. rip through someone's book. They've bought. I did it with her Michelle Obama book, so I'm going to not do it again. Oh, yeah. I, I would feel weird about that. I yeah. feel as if you can have it second, yes. but not first. 100%. Book, hashtag book etiquette. Yeah. And I started reading Joan Didion as well who I feel is one of those people we should have read by now, but just haven't for some reason. What are her books? Um, so she is an essay. She's kind of like Nora Ephron, but a bit more highbrow. Mm-hmm. And she was an essayist and a journalist, and her books are similar, like collections of essays, um, Slouching Towards Bethlehem, and the one I'm reading is The White Album. And mm. it's sort of collections of journalistic essays she wrote, um, when she was living in Los Angeles in the 70s and 60s and 70s. So there's a lot about the Black Panther movement and the, the Manson murders and that trial. Ooh. And there's good, juicy, but well done. I can't wait for that Manson murders film. Oh, it's that Tarantino one. Helter Skelter. No. I need to get that for you. You will froth over what it. What is it? It's written by the uh, prosecutor of the case and he wrote it. 40 years later or something and it's so detailed but it's about basically how there was no way that they were going to be able to prosecute Charles Manson or any of the people and how he kind of single-handedly put all these things together that no one had put together was going to the ranch finding bullets finding stray things he built the whole case because the police were a little bit in out of their depth and he was so 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 smart and he just wanted to nail them so bad he was the youngest attorney general in history he was like 31 so yeah it's good. really good i have to get it for you it's considered i think the best true crime oh my god novel okay. of all time or something yeah. yeah my first editor made me buy it and it was so good maybe i can take that on my trip too i know I my entire suitcase is yeah. full and it's <laughs> and tom was just like please stop packing yes. the most ridiculous things and please stop buying safari gear safari chic <laughs> is all i've said for the <laughs> past two weeks and all i will end up wearing is leggings and a t-shirt yes because i'll and be that s- big fluffy hat that i lent you yeah. <laughs> i know plus <laughs> a hat but um yeah and then i was packing this huge suitcase and then i read the itinerary and it was like you can't pack hard luggage it has to be one of those oh. Kathmandu backpacks and what? very yeah Wild. So suddenly I'm throwing out all the lovely dresses and wrapping up fucking t-shirts. No. <laughs> I know. That'll be amazing. R.I.P. R.I.P. I also got into um, Esther Perel. Mm-hmm. I love her. She has just released the third season of her podcast series on Audible. 
it's not on normal podcasts and she did an interview with the new yorker about it and when i saw there was a third season i had an aneurysm i was like oh like cancel all my plans i was so excited um her interview with the new yorker is amazing it's just full of so many wise tidbits and good lines and Mm. about how she says something about how wedding vows shouldn't be i will love you forever but i will fuck up and occasionally will apologize for it or something like that that should be our wedding vows they're more realistic i love her and the first i've listened to the first three episodes of this season and there's a really good one it's the first one and it's a couple he's 22 and she's 24 i think and they met in uni And she's from Mexico and he's from Texas, but he's a descendant of like Mexican parents and he is kind of working to get her, her visa so she can come and live. So, and obviously there's all this Trump stuff around it. So it's kind Mm. of like, how do you have a relationship when you have all these immigration pressures Mm. and how there's this pressure on them to get married? Cause it's the only way they can be together, but they're both like. I don't know if we want to get married. It just it's taken all the romance out of the. This happened on thing. Younger. Did it? Oh, <laughs> you need to find a way line. to weasel that in here. <laughs> yes, Josh, aka Nico. Yes, fell in love with an Irish girl who had to leave, and oh, then they got married. Nice. And then she never came back to the US anyway. So really, mm. I'm saying this like it's a real person. Mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> I'm like didn't she? Um, and then the last thing was. Oh, there's two other things. I finally watched Kelly Lane, but I kind of don't want to talk to you about it until you've watched it and we can discuss it, even though we're super late to the party. Yeah, it's I will watch. What? It's wild. W- wild. Okay, I'll watch it tonight. Yeah. Well, or tomorrow. Since You'll rip not- through it. Yeah. I woke up at six in the morning and just rolled over and was like, play, and was just watching it in bed. I just couldn't. And, yeah. Like I red was table so talk. <laughs> yeah, literally. I was so hooked. And then the last thing was me and Zach had been watching Russian Doll, which is a new Netflix show that uh-huh. I think you'll like a lot. Is it about six? No. Mm-hmm. It's got a bit of a Killing Eve vibe, even though that's not the subject matter at all. It's that very kind of slick, cool all female characters, Ooh. great music, really stylish looking. Um, it's Natasha Leone from Orange is the New Black. And she, it's like Groundhog Day. So she just keeps dying and getting thrown back to this exact same point in time at her 36th birthday party. And she just keeps dying in all myriad different ways. And then just every time she dies, she gets back in the bathroom oh at this 36th birthday. It's, it's really funny, but kind of dark. And then each time she replays the situation, she realizes that, the people the people in the first episode say become important characters further on I'm it's super watch. clever yeah it's really good you'll like it and there's only six episodes i've seen four have you seen the oa no hmm. everyone talks about it so there's a second season coming and apparently it's incredible what is it it's just this netflix show oh. yeah and the girl um i watched i've watched the first couple of episodes and the girl um disappears and then she gets found in hospital or she like jumped off a bridge and got found in hospital but she hadn't died then her parents she's taken back to her parents house but she used to be blind and now she's not and you just find out the story behind it but i'm not that hooked yet because it's a bit crazy yeah but apparently it's amazing and then someone lucy williams you know that blogger yeah she posted today after my workmate had been ranting and raving about it and she said it was the best series she's ever watched and blah 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 there's a bit of serendipity with those things sometimes isn't there where Mm. someone tells you that Mm. like they all kind of come together at once yeah Yeah. i'd never heard of it Mm, neither i've never heard of it um well i just got back from the cut on tuesdays yes i've still never listened to that even though you've recommended it before weird 
but it's very it, you. Yeah, and it's very cool. <laughs> yeah, um, but they just did a live show, their first ever live show at the Sydney Opera House. How was it? It was really good. Um, what was so, the topic? Well, can you talk about it? <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? Like, did you have to sign an NDA? No. <laughs> Um, it was about women's, like women's media. Cool. Um, and then it was about sort of just broad feminism and then Clementine Ford came on. Oh, nice. Yeah. And what was she like IRL? She was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. She was just, it was funny because she goes, she was like, yeah, I don't publicly say kill all men anymore because people just take it so seriously. <laughs> and she, and she was like, you know, like I've said that maybe things like along the lines of that, maybe 20 times um and then someone sort of merged them all together and made me sound super crazy and then she said that the reason she wrote that was because men would be like oh this raging feminist she just wants all men to die and so she was just like yeah kill all men as a joke yeah i I remember one where she was like she was like men who like do this should be like put in a slingshot and thrown into the sun or something it's a joke and everyone was like clementine ford defends murdering men or yeah. something yeah and then um there were all these things about how she wanted she was like super serious about wanting all these men to die and then she was just like yeah but your rape threats are what not real like yeah yeah exactly are real you know what i mean um and then yeah she was just super funny and at one point she read out all of it like a bunch of horrible mess- text messages well not text messages horrible emails and I don't understand how she deals in. with it. I really yeah, don't. I was so just, bad. Like, like we some, got one semi-negative review today, and we were both like crying, in distress yeah. for twenty-four hours. Like, imagine getting yeah a rape threat. Mm. And then she was reading them out, and one of them was so funny. Uh, a guy messaged her and said, "Why would anyone waste sperm on you? I'd rather masturbate into the toilet." And then she was just like, "Yeah, just acting as if sperm's in short supply. Like, don't waste the sperm." Like, yeah so insane what is wrong with these men i know god um so yeah that was really good it was inspiring molly fisher who's the host of the cut on tuesdays looks identical to megan markle really yeah that's quite good it was yeah it was so funny she came and was speaking and as soon as she did she had her hair in a bun and i was like this is megan markle yeah reincarnated intense yeah so there was that. And then the only other thing I've been doing this week, I'm not sure how I've been spending my time now. I've been like really lost now that I haven't been watching Younger. The only other thing that I sort of caught my attention this week was Zadie Smith's um, interview on the Toure show, which I'd never heard of before and I also could not find on Apple Podcasts. So I had to listen to it on some random website. Yeah, I feel like I've vaguely heard of him. I think I might have listened to an episode before mm-hmm. for some reason. He's... I don't know how Faces the hell he in my brain. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was just off the back of a high recommendation. They love Zadie Smith and so do I. Um, and so I hadn't listened to one of her interviews in a while and it was all about writing, which was mm. really interesting. So she was just talking about her processes with writing. And one of the things I really liked was she said that just because she has no spare time yeah. from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m., she just writes. She just works with absolutely no distractions. So she has her phone off. She does not check email. She doesn't even go on the internet to Google something. If she's writing a novel and she needs to know what she wants to find out what um, the meaning of a word is, she won't Google it until after two p.m. Right, and it's for no distractions. And I and I was just thinking, imagine how much I would get done mm. in a day. Yeah, if between ten and two, I just didn't check my email. So I got in at eight thirty. I emailed people till 
till 10. Yeah. And then between 10 and 2, I just worked on everything I needed to get done. Yes. Didn't pick up my phone. Didn't scroll on Instagram. It'd be a whole new world. Yeah, that time efficiency thing is such a thing. I even yesterday, I know it sounds dumb, but I just started making a rule for myself. Like, I started making a rule for myself that I'm going to, if I have the time to, I will sit and read 50 pages of a book because otherwise I'll pick up something here and there Mm -hmm. and kind of do a few pages before bed and I just don't get through stuff. And I said, if I'm going to sit and read on the couch, usually I will have half an hour or thing and I'm not going to check my phone and I'm not going to do anything else and I'm just going to sit and read Mm. until I've read 50 pages. And then that just gets you on such a roll because once you do that, you're really into a book. So then you're making the time to read it. It sounds like a small thing, but it's, I feel like we're our always brains, so distracted. Yeah, we're we always don't, yeah. so distracted. Or I'll see an article and I'll mean to go back and read it, but then something else will catch my attention and I just yes. completely forget. Yes. I'm just, I, th- I feel like we're always just looking for something better. Mm, yeah, totally. I'll start reading and then I think, oh, maybe Instagram's more interesting this or is, maybe I want to go and do this. This is part of the argument for why print media is still, still has a purpose because when we... I read a study or something that said that when you read something online, there's always some underlying sense of guilt because you feel as if there's a trillion other things you could be reading or should be doing. So you Mm. never have the enjoyment of just sitting and reading. It could be this amazing story, Mm. but you have this anxiety or feeling of pressure or feeling of yeah guilt that you should be doing something else because yeah. you might have 10 other tabs open or you might know that you haven't replied to a thing on messenger or a text or that you have to message someone or set up a meeting or cancel a meeting whereas if you have a book or a magazine that's you what don't feel doing. like that that's yeah. the thing you're doing at that moment that's so true because every time I do see a good article I'm at work and so I'll bookmark it for later or I'll email it to myself or I'll send it via messenger to myself and then I just half the time don't even end up checking and it out. just feels like another thing to do when yeah. you see it you're yeah. like Oh, oh, I have to do that Another task. thing now, yeah. Yeah, so I found that really interesting. Mm. Is it true that she listens to white noise or something to get her in the... She didn't say that, but maybe. I've heard that before, that she just blasts white noise to keep her focused. I was like, that's so crazy. Mm. I need to read. I haven't read all of her books. I started reading her second book recently, uh, a while, over the Christmas break. Because you've got... What ones have you got behind us? I've got Swing Time... And mm-hmm. I've got White Teeth, which I haven't read yet. And then I read The Autograph Man and it's terrible. Weird. Really bad. And then I Googled it and I was like, oh, I must just not be highbrow enough to understand what's going on here because it's super weird and there's drawings on pages and illustrations and it's all really fractured and doesn't make any sense. The opening's amazing. Then it just lost the plot. And then I Googled it and it was it's her only book that's ever been panned. Really? So I was like, thank God. <laughs> I read... Her most recent one, her short stories, Feel Free. Oh, was that good? Mm-hmm. She's such a beautiful home. writer. We should swap. Yeah. Have you had Swing Time? No. Let's swap. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so, on to the topic everyone has been talking about this week Michael Jackson and the documentary Leaving Neverland (laughs) not Uh, to be confused with Leaving the Netherlands (laughs) (laughs) yes so it I don't know when it came out did it come out on on like Friday yes it was March 
fourth or fifth mm. in the US, so it's taken a little while to trickle to here. But it, Channel 10 picked it up really quickly. I yeah. was really surprised it was available. And nothing? Just quickly, I looked, I Googled it and then saw it was on Stan, and I was like, amazing. And what I Googled was Finding Neverland, which is this movie <laughs> with movie. Johnny Depp yeah. from like 2004. And I was like, what? I know. I was reading an article today and they'd put Finding Neverland in the URL. You were Finding Neverland? Yeah. Like, Wrong. This is a delightful romp with yeah. Johnny Depp. Um, Yes, so that came out last week and it's been really highly anticipated because it premiered at Sundance and nothing has been shared of it. They didn't share a trailer, nothing yes. to hype it up. I do think they've gone to very extreme lengths to not make it um, sensationalized mm. or tabloidy mm. or, oh my God, shock allegations. It's been done very tastefully. Yeah. So we both watched it. I've only watched part one. Um, I watched it last night and I'm desperate to watch part two. I'll watch it straight after this yeah. and you've watched both. Yes. And then there's an Oprah, a sit down she does with the two men, the accusers and the film director, mm. which is an hour. And I watched that as well. So I've been very much in a horrible, dark Michael Jackson hole. Yeah. So for anyone day. who hasn't seen it, let's, I feel like we brushed over this because this morning I was listening to a podcast and they went all the way back through what the whole documentary is about yes. and everyone who's seen it just wants to chat about other things yes but wade robson who is an australian boy from brisbane he won he was he's such a cute kid oh my god he's good he was the cutest kid i've ever seen yeah and he was when he was five wasn't he when he did won a dance competition to see michael jackson live yes and meet him backstage and he was so cute and he was all dressed up and then he met michael jackson that night backstage and michael jackson said i wish i'd known you were here i would have gotten you up on stage and then the mum, old stage mum, yeah. was like, we're going to be here tomorrow night. And then he got on stage and was dancing and he was just so cute. He was, and he was really good. Yeah, really like, good. But he really, was five really good. years old yeah. and he was on stage at a Michael Jackson concert, his biggest idol. Yeah. And as soon as he got on stage, he flicked his hat off and yes. started doing this little dance. Yeah. It was incredible. He's so cute. Um, unfortunately, that's the happiest yeah. time of <laughs> the whole documentary. The literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so dark. So it's Wade Robson and James Safechuck are the two men who speak in the documentary and they they spend a lot of time in the first half setting up how kind of shockingly similar both their stories are. Mm. So Wade is from Brisbane, James is from a town in California. Yeah. But the setup is almost exactly the same in terms of they were young kind of child performers. Michael Jackson became aware of them. They both kind of idolized him. They both he, loved him. Yeah, loved. he kind of pulled them into his orbit from a very young age, mm. kind of seduced the families and would do family holidays and would bring mm-hmm. them all the time and hang out at their house and stuff. So that's kind of the setup. Mm. And then um, I guess towards the end, midway through, they go into the allegations of sexual abuse and it's very, very graphic Yeah, and very stark and horrific and i think they needed to do that because with michael jackson everyone is kind of in the spirit of oh yeah he's weird or oh yeah he's there's something strange about him so they really had to spell out no in graphic detail how horrific it was yeah you could never ever make something up the way they were saying it the details of it were and they said it completely straight-faced they're not yeah, crying James their was eyes shaking out. Yes. As he was talking. They're both obviously incredibly traumatized yeah. by it. And it was for Wade started at seven. He was seven, yes, seven years old. He was 14. And it was 
all, all sorts of sexual abuse, like everything you can imagine pretty much. Yeah. Um, and for James, it was, I think, 11 yeah. through to 15 or 16 mm. maybe. Um, and they're four years apart, I realized afterwards. So I, they It happened four years apart? Those two boys are four years apart in age. Oh. So I don't know. It doesn't spell out exactly. Sounds like it was around the same time. I th- yeah. Especially because I, I was trying to work that as well, that out as well. But James was saying he was around when Michael Jackson bought Finding... When he bought Neverland. Yes. And... Um, Wade said that he went to Neverland before it had expanded much. So right before the theme park had expanded and stuff. So I feel like it was very close timing. They said in the Oprah special that they had only met once before as children. So they'd both been at Neverland for one of his big sleepovers once. Wow. um, And that they had no contact because one of the allegations made of them was that they'd come together and made this up and that's why there were similarities in their stories but in Oprah they kind of made a point of mm. not friends mm. we didn't sit and plot this I didn't talk about my allegations until I saw Wade come out with his sort of thing mm-hmm. but yes that kind of sets the scene and also I find I feel like the entire way through it's just so clear how manipulated they were because you're Seven years old. This is your idol. This is some, yes. you're so you're so young at seven years old. Yeah, and you're being told by this person you love and adore that this is how you show love and this is what love is and yes. this is just our little game. This is just our little secret. And then you start to like that. Yes, because you think that's your way of getting close. That's making the person you love happy. That's making yes. your idol happy. That's making you closer to them. And I feel like that's why for so long, you, if that happened to you, you wouldn't come forward for so, so, so many years because you would feel like you were a willing participant in what was going on. Yes, they talked about, so in the Oprah special, they had 200 people in the audience and 100 were victims of childhood sexual abuse and they'd all been allowed to bring one person as a support network. And they watched the whole thing and then they had a Q&A afterwards. And only men in the audience spoke about how it's childhood sexual abuse for everyone, but especially for young men is really complicated because a lot of the time it's men that they look up to, that they see as idols, that understand them in the way that their parents don't, or maybe they have absent fathers mm. or they don't have those male relationships. And they've seen that as a child and mentor or a father and son dynamic and they don't have the vocabulary to call it abuse yeah. When, until years and years and years, maybe 20, 30 years mm-hmm. later, they actually don't know what to call it. And there's been accusations leveled at both Wade and James now of, well, you were asked about this back in 2003 or 1993 when there was other allegations against Michael Jackson and you said nothing happened to you. And they both said the same thing, which was we didn't feel like we had been abused we felt yeah. like we'd had a relationship with him we yeah. felt like we'd had a relationship between two that's so equals. sad that makes me feel so sad it's a seven year old boy and yeah. a grown man and a 34 year old he and was at the time thinking yeah. two years and years later that, yeah. that was consensual and then yeah, like we were just talking about before the only time that both of these men realized that it, what had happened to them was when they had young sons and when you know, Wade saw his son at seven years old and realized how young and how how much of a child you are. Yeah, because they, they said... You can't he, even talk properly at seven. No, you can't. He said you can't. And they said they they 
didn't give themselves the courtesy of thinking about themselves at that age as being children. They felt guilt and shame and self-hatred because they felt it kind of shoves you into adult territory before you're ready for Mm. it because it's exposing you to these really adult things. Mm. So they don't, they felt like they were adults who didn't respond to the situation as they should have and that they kind of asked for it because they didn't respond to it. They didn't feel like they were kids. Yeah, because they weren't saying no. Yeah, one of them was saying that um, Michael Jackson had a new boy on the scene and didn't really want much to do with him anymore. I think it was Wade. And he said that he he felt cast aside and it would have been, that would in itself would have been traumatizing. Yes. And then he said... And jealous. Yeah, absolutely. And then he said that um, when Michael would... Eventually, this is all... I don't know how many times we have to say allegedly in this. Yeah. This is what he's saying. Yes. That's what we're reporting on. Yes. <laughs> don't sue us, Jackson Estate. Yes. Um, and then when Michael would would invite him around and he would stay the night and things would happen, he felt good about that. Because yes. he felt like Michael wanted him around again. Yes. So that's how confusing it would have been as a, as a, growing up. You'd be like, but I even wanted to go around i wanted to go and stay yes and that's what something oprah talked about um in that special where she said that a lot of the because there's been a lot of backlash to this and a lot of it's come from people i think who just can't love michael jackson so much that they can't cope with these kind of allegations but she said all the accusations that i've seen and why she's gone to the effort of talking to these guys and kind of putting her weight behind them is because she said every accusation I've seen against them that makes them quote unquote lack credibility. She as a victim of childhood sexual abuse says they're all classic, classic symptoms Mm -hmm. of when you go through childhood sexual abuse. So when people say, Oh, they lied in 1993, therefore they can't be telling the truth now. She's like, no, because you don't. She said a good sexual abuser will make you not realize that something bad has happened. Yeah. So the way that they set it up, you actually don't know until you're way too old for it to have an impact anymore. So she said them not coming forward doesn't make them lack credibility. It's actually more believable Mm. that their story is true because that's what... And it's even like those girlfriends of R. Kelly coming forward. Mm. The only thing any normal human will take from that is, oh, he's made them say that. Yes, exactly. And they're being manipulated. Yes. Um, Another thing that heaps of people have said is like that Michael Jackson was special or that he was a child whatever but it's very clear through this documentary that he knew what he was doing was wrong yes and he knew what he was doing was wrong because he was lying so he would book the parents rooms on different floors of hotels or ages away and then tell his staff to tell them that there were no rooms close to his room where yes. their, where their son was sleeping and just to quickly bookend it's absolutely astonishing in the film hearing the mothers talk about the fact that they'd known michael jackson for a day or a couple of weeks and he would say i want to sleep with jimmy in my room or i want to sleep with wade in my room and the hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mothers would agree to it. Mm. And he was 35 and the kids were 7 or mm. 11. So That's crazy. That, yeah, there was definitely an untold amount of children who he couldn't abuse because the parents would have been like, no. Well, no. Yeah. But this, these two... And, and anyway, that was part of and it. And however yeah. many more. Yes. Um, and then he he did drills with them to make them get red, get that dressed. That was so horrendous. To get, yeah. make them get dressed fast in case someone walked in. He would take um, James to areas in Never, Neverland where there were, there were like alarms so that if anyone else was walking down the hallway and an alarm would go off so he would know people were coming. And he almost said that the way Neverland was designed as a property was to make it easier for him to abuse children because there were so many specially designed rooms or areas where you would have to have a lot of notice that someone else was coming in. Yeah, or little where. bedrooms yeah. everywhere, off yes. every corner. There was like a, a place in the cinema. Yes, and he would tell the boys, you know, we're, we're in a relationship but the world doesn't understand it. The world doesn't understand mm-hmm. how much we love each other. So... If anyone ever found out what we do, we'll both go to jail forever. We'll both die yeah. in jail or we'll both be in jail. Or bo- my life will be ruined forever if you ever tell anyone. So they said, like James said in the Oprah special, he was like, when it came out last weekend, I just felt so, so, so guilty. And I felt so bad. Like I'd let Michael down still. Oh, he said no. it just still yeah. after, he says, I know logically that it's wrong, but still that feeling that. I've let him down and ruined his life now by doing this. Is and didn't still... you say that Oprah said that she said to the two of them that Wade was further along in his recovery? Yes, she said it was obvious. She said, I feel talking to Wade and listening to Wade versus you that you're not there yet. Mm. And he said, it's all new for me. Because I think Wade came out ages ago in 2013 yeah. or something. And that seeing Wade made James come out. So he's a little bit. Mm. It just breaks my heart watching him because he just seems like a beautiful man. He's very sweet mm. and like kind and gentle. And it's also funny that Oprah's come out swinging yes. because she was the one that he did that big interview with back yes. in like '93 when all these allegations came out, and that was the reason that so many people didn't believe them. I felt really guilty watching it because I've actually been the person before in a like. At like a dinner party who will sit and be like, I don't think um, those Michael Jackson rumours are true. Because I, the, the 2003 case, I really read up on it in detail a few years ago because I was confused. I was thinking, did this actually happen or not? And the details of it were very strange. It was this documentary came out and in it, the boy had slept in the same bed as Michael Jackson And then all this backlash came out because people saw the documentary and said, well, that's really weird. And then the parents said, well, no, nothing's ever happened. Gavin says nothing's ever happened. And then they were getting asked more and more and more by the press. And then they said that he had sexually abused him once between the documentary coming out and another day. So it was as if once everyone it had only happened the one time after the documentary had come out and everyone was saying it so that was really strange and then the mum involved had 
a history of sending her like five-year-old children into department stores and shoplifting because she knew kids would get away with it. So she'd get them to run in and wait outside and get them to steal stuff for her. So I said at the time that if I was on a jury, I think I would say it wasn't true. Say it wasn't true because the whole thing just seemed a little bit fake and unbelievable. Mm. And then the story before that in 1993 was another boy. His dad had a semi-checkered history and they could have gone to court, but the dad decided not to and took a $20 million settlement. Mm. So that both seemed a little bit off. So then I felt really bad. But as if, what, Michael Jackson would pay out $20 million if he hadn't done something? Yeah, well, his this is the problem. There was a great article in The Guardian that said that, um, and Wade actually says in the Oprah story, that Michael Jackson kind of groomed the whole planet because his behavior really set it up so that we like which other pop star or celebrity would we excuse or make excuses for them sleeping in a bed with a seven-year-old child Mm. he set up this persona where people were willing to defend him Mm. for doing something that's insane because he had this whole story of i had a stunted childhood and i never had friends as a child and i'm just this sweet innocent person and he was almost like an asexual Mm. person that he also like a peter pan hated woman yeah so much so much yeah i don't know there's a lot of psychological stuff there that's obviously off Mm. but um i can't remember what i was getting at with that i i felt really bad but i think i hope other people feel like that that we were so quick to make excuses for why it's almost like you're bending over backwards it's like woody allen or sometimes i feel like i go to lengths to look at why maybe what would what Woody Allen did isn't that bad, and then I'm like, of all things, why, why? just accept mm. that it's fucked? Like, mm. why would you just go and poke holes in the cases of the Michael Jackson cases when several hard. children's? Yeah, I think it is just so hard to come to terms with someone you love doing something so horrible. They show in the second half of the um, documentary uh, footage of people being told that he died on the street when he died, um, news outlets did it. And really normal-looking people would fall to their knees and start sobbing. It was cra- <laughs> it's crazy. It's such a weird the thing impact, for the news to do. <laughs> yeah, the impact that he's had, I think we probably just, just missed, missed that era. Mm. And especially for African-Americans, he kind of mm. was such a cultural figurehead. And it's so difficult now because I think you can't – we were talking before about – we both listened to the Daily – uh, episode on this that talked about his musical legacy and all the pop artists now the weekend mm-hmm. beyonce and jay-z justin timberlake justin timberlake britney spears bruno, bruno mars. mars yeah it's kind of endless that owe so much to michael jackson it's impossible to take him out of pop culture it's kind of easy if you watch the r kelly documentary to say okay i won't listen to ignition, ignition remix ag- <laughs> you know like what else has he given us really yeah. we can survive without i believe i can fly in ignition but michael jackson we can't no erase him it's i was impossible. at the gym this morning so about 10 hours after finishing the documentary and two songs back to back came on who did that playlist like i know i was like can you guys please be up to date yeah in some way with we'll watch the fucking news yeah two songs back to back and anton was just staring at me yeah, it's, did he watch it as well? No, he he couldn't. He yeah, had, exactly. Like, he can't, can't watch that watch sort of it, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He he can't even. When I talk about it, he just gets so upset. It's I do almost feel as if it's a. 
I felt watching it as if it was something that everyone should watch mm. in a strange way because I feel like Michael Jackson is this iconic pop figure. We should all know who he really was. And we just need to – the biggest takeaway from this is that we just need to learn as a society – to sit with both things, mm, like to sit with the fact that he's a genius and a creative genius and made amazing art and sit with the fact that he was a pedophile who ruined a lot of people's lives. Like yeah, because both there's going to be no consequences for this. There can't yeah. be. Yeah, nothing nothing can happen. Like you there's know. been, we were talking about there's been things with, what did you say you'd seen, radio? Oh, um, that radio shows have stopped playing as music and things like that, but... The Simpsons have pulled their episode. Yeah, things like that will happen, but in terms of the man himself actually being brought to justice. And even then, those things feel futile to me. Like, okay, you can stop paying Michael Jackson on your radio station for a while, but that's... Yeah. No one's going to forget his music, music, you know? You can't remove his music from Mm. the culture. I also... We've completely gone past this, but I really want to bring up this quote from... um, I just can't get past, like, the guilt factor and the grooming and how long it was before these guys yes. realized what was going on. And I read this Guardian piece, Hadley Freeman interviewed both of them. Yeah. And um, James – oh, no, sorry, Wade says, he made me feel complicit that I wanted it at least as much, if not more, than him. And the thing is, the abuse didn't feel strange because it was being done by this man that was like a god to me. So much of it was a validation for me. But what does that mean? That I liked it? Like, I'm a freak too? And, he, yeah. and she said his voice was breaking yeah. as he said that. Well, they're still both in therapy, like, figuring it all out. And I think they've... They, so many victims must feel like this. It just makes me feel so sick. I know. It is... It, it is an amazing this is what to keep bringing up oprah but she said that people she really wants people to take this as a learning tool about how sexual childhood sexual abuse happens rather Mm. than as a indictment of michael jackson she says it's more of a a reflection of she said all parents should watch this so they understand what grooming looks like because when pedophiles groom they groom like parents as well well. priests that's what i mean i think if anyone is going to have anger or hatred towards George Pell, I'm sorry, but you have to have it towards Michael Jackson as well. Yes. Like you, it's the exact same thing. And this just made me remember that fucked up documentary. Remember that fucked up Netflix documentary, Abducted in Plain Sight? Yeah, still haven't so, seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Just don't even bother. But the whole thing was that the guy groomed the parents. I didn't, yes. I didn't even think about that aspect. He groomed the parents and became really, really, really good friends with them and then even started a sexual relationship yes. with the mother for six months yes. so that she wouldn't wouldn't think that he was molesting her daughter. Yes. And then with Michael Jackson, he would call and call and call the parents and talk to them for hours on the phone, the mums. Yeah. For hours and hours and, and hours the on the phone. the mums are still so delusional. Like, they, yeah. they're still under his spell in a certain way. Yeah. Like, James's mum said, he was like a son to me. He was one. He was like my second son. I know, it's so insane like, that he was your age. He was your age. Yeah. You were the same age when that was happening. Yeah. And, and she still says that now knowing that he abused her son. She mm. still talks about yeah, him that's like what that. Was as happening. if he gave a shit about you. That was what was happening on the abduction yeah. blindside thing. She was like, I was very happy. It was an exciting time for me. And she's smiling, talking about yeah. having sex with the guy that molested her daughter. They're so manipulative. And the, the scene that was so, so fucked in the documentary was the, the quote-unquote marriage thing. Yeah. Oh my god! It was 
So James says that uh, he really liked jewelry. Yeah, he loved jewelry, and Michael wanted to prove to him that even though he was hanging out with these other boys, that he still loved him the most. So he sort of orchestrated this like mini impromptu marriage ceremony in their room together and they wrote these little vows and he took him jewelry shopping to pick a ring and and they lied um because obviously the the person who was serving them would have been like what's going on yes and they lied and said that it was for a woman and that his fingers were Mm. the same size as the woman yeah so that's obvious again that michael knows what he's doing so he was really deceptively lying and then there's this like just dreadful bit where james takes out the ring and it, like, barely mm. goes over the tip of his finger because he's an adult now. Mm. And it's, like, he's the same age that Michael was when that was happening. It's just awful. It's one of the most harrowing things I think I've ever watched. Yeah. And because it was so graphic, what they were explaining was going on. Yes. I and can't handle thinking about that. No. And it was it, – it's a strange thing even you watch it and you watch it and you think – Something horrific has happened to these two guys. I completely believe them. A hundred percent believe them. You can't not believe them. them if you watch it. Yeah, but then you turn it off and then you go online and you kind of forget when you're watching it the cultural implications of what they're saying. All you think is, these are two victims. I'm so sorry for what happened to them. And it's not until you think of the fact that Michael Jackson has this empire still after his death and all these family members that are still alive and all of these hall of fames and all of these awards Mm. and all this cultural legacy and what happens to that now and you know they the the estate of michael jackson has gone on the attack and accused them of lying so Mm. now they're getting all this death mail and hatred and hate you know like they were so brave to come out yeah and they're gonna get and now they're just getting they will probably have to go into hiding yeah, and they put their wi- their wives and their children are both in the second half. So you see their faces, you see their children's faces. Mm. They've really put it out there. And, and Oprah says to them, she says, are you guys ready for the hate you're going to get? And they both, like, Jimmy just, he just, he literally breaks my heart. Like, I just can't deal mm. with him. He just, like, shakes his head. He's like, no, I don't, like, I don't know. Is that going to happen? I wonder if now anyone else is going to come forward. I would really love for that to happen just to I really want them to be vindicated and I don't yeah. want them there to be any question about their credibility because one of the mums said that it was a different boy every year yeah. he'd have a new favorite he had so many children around him at all times it was yeah. so disgusting it was part of his shtick to have kids around at all times he always had a, a crowd of children around him he would take them on tour with him just to be his like companions it's mm. just so bizarre and we all just kind of got sucked into it. Well, we were young. I can't remember. We were family. young, but we still, I wasn't watching that being like, oh, I didn't know he always had kids everywhere. That's weird. Yeah. It was I just part of his persona. But yeah. Um, yeah. I want to hear from Macaulay Culkin. Yes. They, who I know he's always always said he nothing ever happened yes i think he might have reiterated that recently since this comment came out that nothing happened but it's very interesting because wade wade went on to become i discovered sort of in the documentary but also afterwards a really famous choreographer who did all of the choreography for britney spears and nsync Mm. and in the new yorker randomly they include a tidbit that apparently that's who Britney Spears had an affair with 
when she was with Justin Timberlake. That is just so crazy. And that's crazy. who he wrote Cry Me a River for. I was like, the New Yorker, please. Yeah. Like, what a tidbit to just include in this horrific <laughs> sexual abuse story. But um, he that, definitely – they show them working together in Thing, and I was like, ooh, like – Who, flirting. Brittany and Wade? Brittany and Wade, yeah. Oh, my God. I know. That's crazy. Yeah, that's super random. It's super off topic, but also when Crimea River came out, it was hectic. Yes, it was I, a like, big That blew theme. my mind. Yes. I was. I think I cried because <laughs> Justin was so heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. It was a big bizarre. deal when they broke up. Yeah, so bizarre. Mm. Um, but Wade and Macaulay Corkin were the two who testified in the 2003 case defending Michael Jackson, mm. saying, yes, we used to sleep over at his house in Neverland. Yes, we used to hang out with him all the time, but no, it was never sexual. And it was Wade and Macaulay Corkin were the only two that came forward. And Wade was obviously lying. And Wade's now come forward and said I was lying. Yeah. So Macaulay Corkin is kind of the last prominent. I He's think the fam- last other famous one. Sort of famous. I, but- I do wonder if the fact that he was always famous might have meant – that he didn't that Michael Jackson was smart enough not to do it with him because mm. he would be no nah, there I would be think... a lot of credibility to him doing it whereas all the other boys were kind of nobodies so I, I wondered I don't think so you don't think no nah, I don't think he could not yeah if it took one night with Wade yeah and also that other there's another Australian boy called Brett right who was the one that um was was came on the scene and wade was like heartbroken the poor yeah, thing god because it was another australian right it's all such a mess that's the only reason i could think for maybe why macaulay corkin hasn't come out i can i think because macaulay corkin this is very they, speculative yeah but i think it's because he think he is still in denial like jimmy's only just yeah. not in denial yes and macaulay corkin was obviously a much 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 bigger part of Michael Jackson's life than any other kid. Yes, and, and and also like we said, both men said it took having their own children to kind of understand yeah. it. So maybe Macaulay Culkin just isn't yeah. there yet. Yeah, who knows? It's such a difficult thing to wrap your head around. It's kind of the biggest. It's it's kind of huge. Mm. This is really huge. It's bigger than Weinstein. I yeah, and I think we've talked about this before, but it's like Weinstein is the acceptable face of rapist you know yeah. he's ugly he's old he's disgusting he's disgusting he, he, just he literally looks, the old white he looks like a troll man. like he yeah. just looks like a rapist like he a, does look a, like a troll yeah he's like a he looks like a villain in a cartoon mm. you know it's very easy for every like no one was like oh no not harvey like yeah. i love harvey weinstein no, no don't let it be true everyone was like well obviously yes as soon as a picture mm. of him came out whereas and almost all of the me too cases None of them were, like, beloved public figures. Like, yes, people love Kevin Spacey. People were sad about that. People like me respect Louis C.K.'s work, you know. Mm. But Michael Jackson's this completely different Killerfish. ball game. Yeah. It's so, so different. It's, like, someone so beloved by so many people. It's kind of impossible to even wrap your brain around what a big deal it is. I know. They say a lot in the documentary now that there isn't that it isn't comparable to any star nowadays. Michael Jackson. There's no, no. there's no one that is as big as him. No. I don't think there ever has been anyone as big as him. Yeah. It's bizarre. I actually watched 
Um, I don't know if I've told you this before, if I've talked about it on the podcast. I have this weird thing where I really enjoy watching music videos with choreographed dancing or dance routines. I do too. Yeah. It, what, I love what is it. it. It sets off a very emotional response the, to me. <laughs> have you seen I, the old white man dancing to rap music and Will Smith shared it? No. It's the funniest thing. Oh. I will put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought he looked Instagram. 60. Um, oh. But it turns out he's not that old. He's oh. probably only like 35, which is just much less good. Oh. I'll send it to you. Wow. Oh, why is he so good? He's oh, really, so he's really good. No, that's his beard. Oh. Yeah. Well, he can't be that young. I know. It's a fully white Santa beard. Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. This is the whitest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. How good is it? I love it. Yeah. But yeah, so I love amazing like choreographed dance videos and obviously the ultimate of all time is thriller i don't love michael jackson's music but Mm. i love thriller Mm. i've sat on trains at least three to four times drunk as a teenager or in my early 20s and just watched the thriller music video and just been like this is a a work of art and just cried it's really bizarre Mm. so i actually watched it before i watched this documentary because i was yeah. I needed one last time to enjoy it without all of the Yeah, my – um, when I was listening to The Daily and they were kind of doing this Michael Jackson thing where they were talking about this Motown tribute and then how Michael Jackson came on stage and they were playing footage from it and it gave me goosebumps because he's – it was – he was huge. Yes. I loved him. I kind of fell in love with him in my – just before I – my God, why can't I speak? In my late teens. Yes. Was like just before I turned 20. <laughs> um, and I would play his music every single day. So it was a late thing for me. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. I can't believe these little tiny kids. It's the cutest thing in the world to fall, be obsessed with Michael Jackson and learn all his dances. I know. He was so and as if- sinister and manipulative mm. and, and really played on this childlike persona he had to keep everyone thrown off the scent Mm. but there's no way i don't know i really loved in the second half of the documentary where wade's wife who's just this beaut like she's beautiful and they've got this gorgeous little son um and she's very very sweet but she said as soon as i found out what happened i banned his mum from the house because she said as a mother who lets their seven-year-old child mm. i don't care i don't care if he's a celebrity yeah i don't she says, care she said, who, who, care, who cares who it's, cares yeah. it's your seven-year-old kid yeah and you've known him for six hours and mm. you're letting him sleep in a bed mm. with it's so, a 35 year old man so a seven-year-old so comes up to here they're yeah. tiny they're tiny it's and, and and she would let him stay in a bed with him for weeks on end mm-hmm. or days on end mm-hmm. like literally thrown to the wolves yeah it's, it's insane. Up. You know, you can say what you will about the Catholic Church and pedophile priests and all of that stuff. You would ne- in none of those cases do you have a mother saying, "Oh yeah, my child can sleep in the same bed as you, George Pell." Mm. I think that's fine. That's no. just beyond anything you could ever imagine in any other scenario. That's what happened on abducted in plain sight, and it yeah. wasn't a celebrity. Yeah, it's just mental. I know, and you don't... Please, if there's any <laughs> other takeaway from this, yes. never let your child sleep in a bed I with an adult. I just to grab these women not and just shake, shake them. I was mm-hmm. just furious. And you can see that they both get it. They both cry and feel like they let their sons down and that they fucked up. But 
not enough in a yeah. way. Like, I, know. I don't know. Um, yeah, and the Guardian piece. Oh, was it in the Guardian piece? Yeah. Um, Hadley said, have you forgiven your mothers? Yeah. And they were just like, we're getting there. Yeah. That was what I thought. I thought, you know, that situation is really off. And they kind of said, the mums both said something about how, you know, I looked him in the eyes and I asked him, did anything happen? And he said no. But he was And remember 11, one of them said that you know? she walked in and they were in bed together. Yes. They were clothed, but they were in bed. And she didn't. And she goes, yeah, I still didn't think anything. <sighs> it's like, come the gonna, fuck on, I'm America. Gonna, I'm going to be the most psycho mum. Psycho mum. I can't even put into words. Yeah. Someone's going to like look at my child and I'm going to be... Literally, that happens now them. and I'm not even a mother. Yes. I see anyone glance at like a little kid and I'm ready to kill them. Same. I have a fantasy because we're actually overlooking a park here. My apartment overlooks a park. And I have a fantasy of like, I don't know, like a kid being on their own or something. I have a fantasy of a kid being on their own and me having to run down and save them or stop them from being abducted or something. I just mm. have these mm. like fantasies you know of saving so crazy children. Though? Is when, um, so off topic, so, so off topic, um, when people try to abduct, it's been happening, it was happening in Sydney last year, um, all these people would come to parks and try to abduct kids and they said that the mums are so onto it that this, that a man will will walk towards their kid and the mum will get up and bolt and run. And I was like, you can't take your eyes off your kids for 10 seconds No, or they would be gone. That happened. It was so weird. It happened, I think, two or three times in a three-week period in Sydney. Oh, my God. And I think it was in 2017 because I was writing about it. God. And um, these mums, every single time, these mums ran up and that saved their kids. That would be me. I'd, like, Same. see someone fucking seven streets down and be, like, striding over. <laughs> and the over. person's just trying to walk over to their kids <laughs> yeah, if I'd they're like, okay. Get away. Like, yeah. screaming. I'm going to be psycho. If Same. someone ever – my auntie tells this amazing story of when my cousin was, like, two in a – toddler's pram and she was touching clothes in a shopping center and this woman who worked there like slapped her hand off and she said she got her up against the wall by like oh a scuff God. of her neck she was like i literally just saw red it was so yeah. weird don't and i was like don't fucking touch kid. my child like i'll kill you yeah. and then everyone was staring and then she like dropped her and was oh like my Bye. God. <laughs> so good that would be me yeah i like commit a murder over nothing yeah it would be so crazy. And even just thinking about how I used to go out to parties when I was 16. I know. I can't imagine ever being okay with that. I know. I've even I even We're going to have one of those weird kids that like join some sort of insane cult, cult or yeah. something because their parents were so crazy yeah. and kept them in like a turret with locks on the door. Until I even they were called my sister yesterday, my 18-year-old sister. And See, I can't believe she's 18. I know, like, I mean She either. seems like 15. And in she, a nice way, it's just... She's so little. I think she's 17. Um, And she answered the phone. She was just like, hello. (laughs) And I just called to see how her first week of uni was and that she'd made friends and that she was safe. And she was like, please, can I get off the phone now? I want to go and hang out with my friends. (laughs) But I made it uni. (laughs) Like, who's that new girl you've been hanging out with? And who are those two boys? I've stalked them on Instagram. She's like, I have to go. (laughs) Yeah. I know. How does anyone survive? Let their children I've already stalked every person she's met at uni. Yeah. We got a bit light at the end there, but everyone should watch Leaving Neverland. Yes. And I'm going to watch, I'm going to go home and watch the Oprah thing. I actually think we watched 
the wrong thing. Not the wrong thing, but that we watched a version, but there's an uncut version, which is, I think, 10 cut it down to put on TV. Mm. And that's what we watched. I watched the uncut one. Oh, did you watch one. the uncut yeah. one? I didn't watch the uncut one. So then Oprah was making jokes and I didn't get them. And I was like, oh, like, I was like fuming. <laughs> I was like, what's the joke? Yeah, so now I was like, I'm going to have to go watch another what four hours. What was the joke? How did she make jokes? She was making, she's so good. She's just so good. She's so good. She just like controls the room. She was making jokes about Wade's grandma. Oh, yeah. She's not in the one I watched at all. No, yeah. Wade's grandma is a legend. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like, every time she came out, I'm not going to do an American accent. She was like, every time she came out, I was like, oh shit, it's going to go down. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. was the grandma like, what are you doing? She, yeah. She was just, just like, Michael Jackson is to blame for everything. Right. Going wrong in our entire lives. Yeah. Yeah. And then. It's weird as somehow. I put more blame on the Australian mum for some reason than I, which is unfair. But I'm like, Americans are there's something about them and mm. celebrities that I don't get. And also, the American mum was more. She it was a way slower process than the American mum. A hundred percent. Yeah. She wouldn't. He asked Michael Jackson asked if James could stay in his room, and she said no. Yeah, for like months and months. Yeah. And she was like, it must have happened when he was with his dad because I never would have allowed it to happen. Yeah. But yeah, the Australian mum, she just, it's just weird for me for someone who speaks in such a low key way and seems so low key to be that. They just took off to the Grand Canyon on a family holiday and left way And there. left the seven year old behind. Anyway. So. Bad man. Bad man. Ugh. Okay. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Um, our next episode is coming live from Botswana. Oh yeah. Harry and Megan's romantic Holiday. I really gonna... need to like get some. I don't know how, but like some sort of intel. Mm-hmm. You need to. I feel like if you're going to some luxury locations, like someone is going to have some Meghan Harry goss. Yeah, and I'm going to look out for the lion. Yes, Princess Diana. Yes. Um, and we will. I will report back, and I hopefully would have read about ten thousand books by the next episode. Yeah, and I hope you get to that thing where you like have breakfast in a giraffe, just like. Walks past. Is in the breakfast mm, place. I would prefer something other than a giraffe, which you could see at Tauranga Zoo. But have you seen those pictures and it's you having breakfast and they just pop their head in? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm into that. Yeah. It's just a cute little... Very Instagram-friendly content. Very Instagram-friendly content and also where you say it will probably be one of those places where if you go further than 50 metres, you can't go anywhere without like a guard, guard with a... Yeah fucking yeah. assault rifle um we're doing a walking safari and you have to be flanked by guards oh my god it's yeah. gonna be so fun did like, i tell you about the time that i went on a safari and we got chased by an elephant no <laughs> when it's did you so go on a good. safari i went to south africa on a voluntary mission which is quite off-brand for wow. me when i was like 18 <laughs> i want to meet this great i know i was really like earnest yeah i just wanted to go to africa and i was like yeah okay i care about this charity Mm. um and we went to south africa and swaziland and mainly south africa um and we went on a we it was like crazy i had to build like huts and mix concrete in the ground and do all this stuff i would just never ever do again it really turned me off being philanthropic yes um but we did a safari and we they get a radio call when an animal's around so people can find them and we'd seen like a lion and a rhino and then we were in an open air (laughs) jeep and they're like elephant elephant and we ran down this thing and and we 
kind of nearly hit the elephant, the giant <laughs> elephant. Like we came around the corner and it was right there. And we're like, this is so amazing. But then we realized that two Jeeps were behind us and three Jeeps were behind the elephant because all six had been called to this location. So then the elephant started freaking out because it was kind Too of many pe- cornered in. in. Yeah. yeah. So then the, our guy was beeping to the other guys to reverse and then the elephants get it, started getting really flustered and just started charging. So it just started running oh at us. Oh, my God. And it was like the three Jeeps reversing with the guy looking over his shoulder and an elephant running at us and then the three Jeeps behind them following because I guess they thought this was funny or something. Oh, like, fun my to God. Watch. Like, I was getting more. So the Jeep guy was turned with his head turned around reversing and you guys are just watching front on with this elephant. Yeah, I actually you. thought it was the only time in my life where I thought I was going to oh die. My I was fully like, oh, this is just not fun anymore <laughs> or cute or anything. This and it was in the era before iPhones. So no one, it's yeah. not on camera. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Um, and then we pulled off to a U-turn and there was – we pulled off into a side bit and he was, like, really freaked out because he was like, if the elephant follows us, we're fucked. We're fucked. But it just obviously went the normal way, so it was fine. But Oh, my God. It's a good story. Yeah. So safaris can be – Thank you for that. Dramatic. I'm very yeah. excited now. Might get mauled by an elephant Perfect. while you're walking. Um. Cool. So please rate, review, subscribe, and we will see you um, at our regular scheduled programming time next next week. week. Yes. See you in Botswana. <laughs> see you there. Bye. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.